BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Big sales! Happy Friday to you. Here we are. 41 days. Until the start of training camp. 41 days. Bunch of teams start on July 27th. Here we are, man. 41 days. We're almost inside a month. For the start of training camp in the NFL. I I actually think that two teams, I forget who's in the Hall of Fame game this year. But two teams start a week previous to what the Eagles do on the 27th. So, We are just like three weeks out from the start of the national football season. Last night, I saw the rings for the Kansas City Chiefs last night. Man, they look good. I wonder what the Eagles NFC second place too soon. (laughs) Hey, it's Friday. We all want to be in a good mood, right? I get it. Too soon? Yeah, you know. What would you, hey, what would you do if you were on that Eagle team? And you were handed an NFC championship ring. What would you what would you do with that ring? You know, I, I actually, you know what? I listened to and I was talking with the guys on Sports Take today. Is that an accomplishment? Oh, I think it is. I think those NFC championship rings, I think it's a wonderful achievement. There's no failure in this thing. Okay. It's how you perceive failure. You know what failure is? Four wins. Not everybody wins the last game of the year. Eagles didn't have a failure season. They had an incomplete season, which was a great one. Okay? And and, and this is not putting your name on the test. Okay? This is just not getting the grade that you needed. And it still was a high grade. Seals, are you compromising? Look, man, I'm not that guy that believes that championships define when it comes to what a team's success is. I think consistency. I do think, hey, look, I do think winning has to do it. We're going to talk about that here in a minute because it is a great conversation on how we look at winning. I'm getting soft. That sounds it a little bit. Look, I, I, I'm with you. You got to win the titles. To validate it. Yeah, maybe that's more it. The Eagles didn't validate the season last year. Okay? Well, we're going to talk about it here in a minute. I actually think this is a big season for Nick Sirianni. Hey, do you guys feel this way that I do when it comes to NFL coaches or college coaches, managers, anyone? 
don't don't you feel that every coach is on a year to year basis unless you do something spectacular like Bill Belichick did where he won all those titles that you you don't really get hall passes every year. I think coaches versus players, I think you're under the gun more. If Nick Sirianni has a horrible season and that team goes 8 and 9, he'll, he'll be fired. Whereas if Jalen Hurts goes eight and nine, he's not getting fired. Injuries, poor season, guys not playing up to expectations. It happens. It happens everywhere, and it happens a lot of times to a lot of teams that have had great success. Okay? I mean, at the end of the day here, Nick Sirianni, this is, hey, if this is – if this is a big season for Jalen Hurts, and we're going to define Jalen Hurts because he's playing against really great football teams and quarterbacks this year, I think this has to also be an indictment on the coach. We're going to find out a lot about Hurts and Sirianni this year. And, and hey, this is not negative either way. This is just a comment. I think I'm going to find out what kind of coach he truly is. Because you know one thing that they haven't had since that 2-5 and five start? They haven't had adversity. They have not had adversity. Dosa goes, we'll win 12 games. I picked you to go 12 and 5. I think you are a 12 and 5 team. Okay? I think you are. Jeff Bone goes great. It's Friday. We appreciate you coming aboard. Um, before we get into the topics, I do want to say this about Shohei Otani. What a damn shame he's in baseball. If that guy was in the NFL, they would be parading this guy from Maine to California to Washington to Florida. What a superstar athlete. I have never in my entire time playing college, professional, covering sports, being a broadcaster, TV, radio, I have never in my life seen an athlete like this. He's 6-2 and two on the season, 329 ERA. Last night hit a 443-foot bomb last night. He's got 22 bombs, which leads baseball. He's 6-2, and two and he's on pace for 15 wins. He's a modern-day Babe Ruth. I have never seen anything like this. I thought the best player I've ever seen in my life is Barry Bonds. Second was probably Ricky Henderson. I got a chance to cover those guys. In, in, in the Bay Area. Get this. I got a chance to cover Henderson and Bonds at the same time in their prime. This thing here is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen anything like it. And he's a stud. Throws the ball 100 miles an hour. Okay? Unbelievable. 6'4". When that guy becomes a free agent and he starts parading around if you think Bryce Harper's $344 million, what do you think the price tag is going to be for Shohei Otani? What would you put a price tag on for Otani when he's a free agent in two years? He's hitting 301, like Gail said. What do, you, what do you think the price tag is? If Bryce Harper's 344 and if um, Manny Machado's 310 and some of these other guys, like Mookie Betts is a $300 million guy, how much is Shohei Otani worth? $500 million? Hey, I, I see our internet's going in and out a little bit here. Please stay with us. We appreciate it. $500 million? 
Shohei Otani's going to get $500 million. He's going to be the first $50 million a year baseball player. Would you not? Hey, if you had a guy who could win you 15, potentially 17 ball games a year and hit you 45 bombs, shit, I'd pay him $350 million for the 45 bombs. This guy might make $600 million. I mean, he, he, he has to be the most expensive contract in professional sports, but you'd never know it. This would, hey, this would be equal to Jalen Hurts playing corner and being your starting quarterback and a star at both. Like being the best pitcher in baseball, he's in the conversation. And then being the best hitter, that would be like Hurts being the best quarterback. Being Mahomes and being Sauce Gardner. That's what it would be like. How much do you think you'd be paying Jalen? 50? You'd be paying him $100 million a year. Dude, that guy's going to make a killing. Holy shit, man. 22 bombs. He's on pace for 50 homers. <laughs> hey, don't think it. Guys, Yale, think of this. He's on pace for 50 homers and 15 wins. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. People in, in baseball, their media sucks. People don't cover baseball because it's more localized and regionalized. I get it. But what a story. All right. Enough with that. I'm going to do something here, and I'm going to make a pitch for somebody to be one of the next candidates to be in your Eagles Hall of Fame. This is coming from the heart. I have got a candidate in the next couple of years. He's got to retire, I would assume, first. For him to be considered a Philadelphia Eagle Hall of Famer. Are you ready? I'm not going to name the name yet. Here is a candidate for the Philadelphia Eagles future consideration to be a black jacket holder and a Eagle Hall of Famer. This man is fourth all-time in Eagle history in passing yards with 16,811. Completions, 15-62 is third. 113 touchdown passes, which is fourth. Most attempts in Eagle history. Owns the number one, 607 in 2019, and did it again in 2016. Most completions in franchise history, 388. And then second, he also owns in 379. Damn, these are some pretty good statistics. 
Most passing yards in franchise history. Number one, 4,039 in 2019. Fifth all-time single season passing number, 3782 in 2016. Most TD passes, 33 and 17. Then did it again in 16. And owns a Super Bowl ring. For consideration for the Eagle Hall of Fame, Carson Wentz. Why not? He owns just about every record you own. And he's got a ring, unlike your boy. How would you not consider this an Eagle Hall of Famer? Is that not Eagle Hall of Fame material? He's got a ring. Help you win the Super Bowl. Was instrumental in it. Fourth all-time in passing yards. Fourth all-time in TD passing yards. Most attempts and completions in the history of the franchise twice. Most passing yards in the history of the franchise in a single season. And the fourth most. Most TD passes in a single season. Jalen Hurts will never throw 33 touchdown passes. Get that out of your head. That ain't happening in an RPO offense. Helped you win a Super Bowl. Does Carson Wentz deserve to have consideration for being an Eagle Hall of Famer? Yes or no? And are you going to say it because you don't like him? Because statistically, fundamentally, he was also an all-pro for you. And you could make the argument that he's one of your greatest signal callers in the history of your franchise. Jalen has none of those records. Not even remotely close to those records. Nothing remotely close to those records. Nothing. Zero. This guy threw the ball 607 twice. Your guy threw it 428. He'll never throw for 600 yards or 600 attempts. It's not an RPO offense. Statistically, he'll never get there. Is, does Carson Wentz belong? Honestly, I'm not, I'm not actually not just trying to. Does Carson Wentz deserve consideration to be a Hall of Famer one day? Wentz. And once his career's finished and consideration, would you consider him Hall of Fame? Or is the hatred for the guy too much? T.O. you can't put in because he had one and a half year. No, Wentz. Wentz has a ring. Jalen doesn't. Wentz actually has an NFC title ring and a Super Bowl ring. (laughs) Actually, in theory, Carson Wentz is more accomplished than Jalen as an equal quarterback right now. Now, long way to go for for Jalen. It's not fair. So we're not really putting that standard there. But, I mean, 
that's that's a fact. He's he's a pretty accomplished quarterback in your franchise. This is not really. I'm not really kind of like kidding a little bit. I'm really actually like, what's the problem here? You put lesser guys in. I mean, Randall doesn't have the kind. Well, Randall did put up some pretty good numbers there. He did. His postseason numbers aren't anything either to write home about. I mean, Kevin, go stop it. What do you mean? Stop what? What's wrong? What, what's? I'll tell you what you guys don't like. You guys don't like me bringing up facts when it comes to Wentz. You really don't. You hate this guy so much that it blinds you on what he did here as a football player that you can't see through your hatred for this guy and that you revere Jalen more. And because I'm doing this, you think it's a rip on Jalen. That's what's in your minds right now. This is nothing to do with Jalen. This is everything to do with a guy who pretty, pretty much performed here. Hey, did it finish well? No. Did Randall finish well here? No. It was a train wreck. Did McNabb? No. He didn't finish well here either. All three of those guys, you ran out of town. You ran Randall out of town. You ran McNabb out of town. And you ran Wentz out of town. So make it sound like those other two guys, you didn't treat like shit on the way out the door either. You did. Treated those guys like shit too, man. Every one of those guys now have to come back and everybody's kissing up and everything is cool now. Well, Maybe that'll be the case one day for Wentz. I doubt it. Just an interesting thought, again, that I had when we were talking about Carson Wentz because yesterday we were talking about Wentz working with John Gruden. And I said he's got to go to a place with hard coaching. I hope he lands in Jacksonville. Or, or, or if it's me, Seattle. You know, John Gruden thinks that Carson Wentz is going to land in Seattle. Thinks he's going to land in Seattle. What's wrong with these numbers? Look, no one wants to admit it. (laughs) I still love Carson Wentz, and I think that Carson deserves consideration, but he might not get in. Oh, no, he's not getting in. They'll never put him in. Because they would think it would be an indictment on Jalen. That's why. Okay? If Jalen fails, he'll get in. That's what will happen. If Jalen, over the next five, six years, fails, Carson Wentz will get in. Because then it'll be more of an indictment that Wentz wasn't really that bad. See, right now, Everyone's looking and very excited about Jalen Hurts, which diminishes anything that Wentz has done. I'm sorry I'm talking to you in reality here, but it's true. If Jalen Hurts shits the bed, Wentz will be accentuated more than what he did here. It will. But if Jalen continues his success, they'll put this dude in a rearview mirror and they'll never talk about him ever again. They'll, they'll erase his name like he was Moses. Okay. Every one of you that's talking like crazy right now loved the guy three years ago, four years ago. Hey, look how fast that could turn on Hurts, too. That's why I said about Sirianni. You guys are all in love with Sirianni. Well, he comes up with a five-win team. I'll show you how fast that changes. 
<laughs> That'll change overnight. <laughs> That's what sports is. And by the way, I don't have a problem with that. You guys pay season tickets. You pay game tickets. You buy the merch. You do all that. You expect winners. Not a problem. Not a problem with it. You look at Wentz as a failure. Not really. Pretty impressive numbers as a Philadelphia Eagle. It really is. He should be considered. It'll depend once again on how well Jalen Hurts does and how he'll be looked at years removed from this time as an Eagle quarterback. Right now, it's too soon. Jalen had a spectacular year that absolutely hammers on everything that was wrong with Wentz out the door. I completely agree with you. Time will tell. Time will tell. If Jalen Hurts will... How many people think that Jalen Hurts will throw for more than 16,000 yards in his Eagle career? How many people think that Jalen Hurts will throw for more than 115 touchdowns in his Eagle career? (laughs) Pretty good numbers, man. Pretty good numbers. And by the way, it's two to one interception ratio, 113 to 50 picks. Not bad, 89.2. Yeah, time will tell. Fisher says he never liked Wentz's attitude. I don't know what that has. Well, I'm sure you don't like Aaron Rodgers' attitude. Hertz will double that. So that means that you think when he's all said and done, Alexander, he has more passing yards than McNabb. So you, hey, Alexander, so you think he becomes the all-time leading passer in Eagle history and passes McNabb. I think McNabb's either at 32,000 or 36, somewhere in there. So you think he throws for almost 40,000 yards? Okay. All right. 40,000 yards. That means over 10 years, he'd have to average 4,000 yards a year. So you think he's going to throw for 4,000 yards? 40,000 yards. Interesting. Like I said, so you think he's playing 15 years? Think about what you just said there, Alexander. So for the next 10 years, he has to average 4,000 yards to get to 40. McNabb's like either 32 or 36,000. You think he throws for that many yards? I don't. I don't. I, I think he throws for more yards than what Wentz did. I do. Hey, Tony, 36 is not, absolutely 36. Is, it's more passing yards than Troy Aikman. It's more passing yards than Joe Namath. Absolutely, man. <laughs> There's no shame in that, especially when you're running. He'll, he'll probably run for 10,000 rushing yards too. You know what? How about this? I got a better question for you. Tone, maybe you chime in. You think there's a better chance that Jalen Hurts is the all-time leading rusher in Eagle history or the all-time leading passer in Eagle history when it comes to all-time records on the team? I don't think you have a 10,000-yard rusher in Eagle history. I think if I think it's Shady McCoy. I think he's at like 8,000. Okay? I think he's at like 8,000 yards or something like that. He's not passing Shady. I don't know, man. 800. Doesn't 800 yards over the next 10 years? 
sound more doable than 4,000 passing yards? I think it does, especially in an RPO offense and what he runs. So Jalen Hurts is going to be your all-time leading rusher and all-time leading passer in Eagle history. (laughs) Okay. All right, man. Okay. Starting it off, man. 12K. So he's going to have more rushing yards than OJ. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. This is a good Friday, man. Good Friday to you. All right. Let's put something out here on this team as we're now 41 days to the start of training camp. Okay. Do you believe that there are more expectations on this 2023 team than there was on the 2018 Eagle team? The 2018 Eagle team, nine and seven, coming off a Super Bowl team. How many wins did you guys have that year? 13? Was that a 13 or 14 win team? Um, I forget. Did that Super Bowl 17 team, did you guys win 13 games or 14 games? Um, hey, Neil, Shady has 12,000 rushing yards as an Eagle or a career. I don't think he has 12,000 rushing yards. They won 13. Okay, they, they're 13 and three. Thank you, guys. So then they followed up the 2000. Hey, how many people were disappointed in that 2018 team? Here's what happened. They finished second in the NFC East. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you guys will. The 2018 Eagles beat the Bears in the wild card game 15, 14, 14, 17, 14. I thought it was a really low scoring. I thought it was a one or two or three point game that you guys beat the Bears. 16, 15, Tony, Tony, is that it? That sounds about right. Okay. The double doink. The double doink. Right on. Right on. The double doink. Okay. They win that game. The double doink. I forgot about the double doink. That's right. I think there's more pressure on this team, at least the 2018 team. Eagle team came off of a Super Bowl, and the 2023 team is coming off of a loss. Plus, they just paid the quarterback. Definitely more pressure on 23. I think all of that plays into exactly where we're going here. Okay. Then you guys... Lost to the um the Saints in New Orleans. 21-14? No, you would have won. So it had to it had to be five or six points. I remember if you guys scored that, because we always debate that. If you guys had scored that, you would have beat him because you were driving late. So it, it's either five or six points. Like it was either like 20 to 14 or some shit. Like I think of what I, for some reason, 20 to 14 
kind of sticks in my mind that you guys lost that divisional game to the Saints, 20, 2014 in New Orleans. That sound right? The Alshon Jeffries drop. I, I thought it was like 21-14 or some shit like that, right? So they, they, they got pretty – I'm, I'm not trying to like pull scabs back here. All, hey, I'm not trying to pull scabs back here or anything, okay? But here what I'm saying, I'm trying to get to a point here with, with what we're saying here. Um, so expectations. There's more expectations. Is it because you paid the quarterback? Or do you really believe that you have a better team than those two teams? Hey, the better teams. I mean, seriously, think about it. The 2017 and 2018 Eagles. One team got to the divisional round. One team won the Super Bowl. The 2023 team, we'll find out what they do this year. The 2022 team got all the way to the Super Bowl, won one more game than the Super Bowl champion team, and there were no expectations on that Eagle team last year. Expectations didn't start kicking in for the Eagles until around week 15. You, you guys didn't have expectations on that team. Well, maybe not week 15. Probably after the big start last year when, when they won a ton of games out of the gate. People started looking up and going, holy shit, they're winning and they're dominating. Because early on, the first eight games, I would I would make this point because, you know, Hertz's injury played a factor in the final backside of the season. The second half of the season wasn't wobbly. You guys really did a great job. But it, it, it became wobbly a little at the end because the quarterback got hurt, right? And expectations probably didn't kick in until after the second half of the season when you started seeing how you were killing teams. And you were killing teams. You were. You were dominating everybody in the NFC. So now those expectations have carried into this now season here. And that were there – hey, just take me one last time before we move on to the main topics here. How much expectations on the Eagles were, was there to repeat? Can you give me can, – can you educate me here a little bit? Did you guys – did you guys – were you guys talking repeat? Were you talking repeat? Because I know some of you, like we did with Carson Wentz, you guys like to change history a little bit. Were you guys talking repeat in dynasties? Were you guys, did you guys think you were going to get back to the Super Bowl again? Some of us were. <laughs> okay. Nobody. So after you won the Super Bowl, the way you beat the Eagles, or the way you beat the Patriots, Nobody said in 2018 that this team can't go back and win another Super Bowl. You guys dismantled Tom Brady. I thought you were going to go on a run like the Cubs were going to go on a run after they won their World Series. That team was a one-year wonder. That team was a one-year wonder. And, and Well, not really. They got to the divisional round the second season. Tone says, I felt like we could run it back. Why wouldn't you? You just killed the Patriots. Dude, you didn't, you didn't beat the Patriots. You beat the Patriots up. We expected to repeat new norm. Absolutely. We're not happy bringing back those old guys. And they, 
We were not happy bringing back those old guys in 18. Oh, so there was a little bit of... Was, was there bigger question marks on the 18 team than there are on this team? I think you've got massive question marks on this team. On the defensive side, offensively, I have none. Well, a couple. Coordinator, how's he going to act? Right guard. And the yardage in the backfield. When it comes to the running backs, those are your questions. Those are, those are significant. But they're not like something you can't overcome. All your question marks are clearly on the defense. And what's troubling is they're all up the middle. Your tackles, your linebackers, and your safeties. The heart of the defense has the massive question marks. Now, your edge rushers don't and your corners don't, which is spectacular. Do you know most of the time it's reversed? How many times you go into a season, man, they're really weak at the corner position and they don't get to the quarterback. Well, you ain't winning. Okay, you're not winning if you can't rush the pass and defend wideouts in today's NFL. Okay? <laughs> you're, you're not winning. Everyone has massive question marks. Coaching is a huge question mark. Um, yeah, that's part of this. I trust Brian Johnson. He made Kyle Traska. Heisman Trophy finalist. I didn't know Brian. Oh, no wonder. Brian. So Brian Johnson's a Gator? I didn't know that. How funny. Howie's a Gator. Maybe that's some of the ass I have with Howie, is that he's a Gator. So Brian Johnson's a Gator. Brian Johnson's a Gator? Is that Brian? That's not Brian Johnson, the quarterback. Can't be. Not the Gator court. No, that can't be him. So he's a Gator? Brian Johnson? Killed the Patriots without forcing a punt in the Super Bowl 52. Killed them. Killed them. I'd never, of all the games that the New England Patriots, outside of that Kansas City thing that they had during the regular season, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the living tar out of the Patriots and physically dominated them. I mean, they got killed in that Kansas City game in the regular season, but they got annihilated in that Super Bowl 52. They were annihilated annihilated because they were beat up up front. He was the OC. He was a quarterback at, um, at Utah. Okay. Now, now it's starting to come back to me a little bit. All right. So he was, he was the quarterback there and he was a quarterback must've been a quarterback coach at Florida. Okay. We gave up 600 yards. Yeah. Well, they gave up a shitload too. Sorry, dude. It just to me, it looked like the Lions were killing the Patriots in that game the entire time. That's how that was my takeaway from it. Um, so the expectations is more on this team. It's got to be because you're paying the quarterback. You are counting on this quarterback to do things, and you have put a ton of pressure on this guy. Okay? And rightfully so. And I think he embraces it. You could never put this kind of pressure on Embiid. He'd fold. You could put this pressure on Harper. He would take it. In that city right now, there's only one guy that could take this kind of pressure. Dude, he's got the weight of the entire community. Because you know this. As quick as he had a great year last year, people will come down on him like a thunderbolt if he fails. 
he, they will. That's why my expectations aren't what you guys are saying. If I see it here, just to show you, Seals, what's your expectations of Hurts this year? Dude, if he's 3% better than he was a year ago, I'm happy with that. Because that means he's going to be right there for the MVP conversation again. Because if you're expecting a 50% increase in what he did a year ago, you're out of your mind. And you're not being reasonable. Once you – hey, you know, once, you, once you're sculpting um, a sculpture and you're, you're, you're getting down to the fine – the fineness of it, and you're 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 chipping away at the very end of it. You're not taking giant hunks out of it. You're trying to smooth it out. You're trying to round it out. You're you're you're, you're trying to make it look like a masterpiece. You don't do that by taking chunks out of it. Michelangelo's not looking at the Pieta to look to take an arm off. He's looking to mold it. He's looking to shape it. That's where Hertz is now. He's going to shape his career. He's got to refine it. He's got to smooth it out. Some of the rough edges. Maybe not running so much. You know, all that small stuff. That's where he is in his career. That's where Mahomes, you think Mahomes is taking another gigantic leap? Mahomes right now is redefining his game. Do you know the best thing to happen to Patrick Mahomes was? Losing Tyree Kill. Because now he's not obligated to get the ball to one guy. Now he involves everyone in the offense. And he sees, do you know that, in my opinion, the reason Mahomes had such a star-studded year a year ago, he saw the game better. He saw the field better. He didn't have superstars out there on the field. He had to get everybody involved to win. Even the smallest guy and the third dude on the wide receiving room. He had to get everyone involved which means you're more focused. Not having Tyreek Hill in Kansas City made Patrick Mahomes a better quarterback. That's insane. That's insane to say. You know, usually, this is when you know you got a special player. Well, you got to go get this guy a wide receiver like Dak. You got to go get him a big-time wideout to improve his game. In Kansas City, they did the opposite. They took the best deep threat, maybe in the history of the game, away. And Mahomes got better. How's that possible? You took talent away, and he got better. There's very few dudes that have ever played the quarterback. Brady is a great example of that as well. Brady didn't need superstar wide receivers to win Super Bowls. Maybe in Tampa he did. Not New England. He didn't need superstar wide receivers to win Super Bowls. He never won with one. Peyton Manning did. He needed big-time wideouts. He had two Hall of Fame wideouts and won one. I don't know. There's not a chance Peyton Manning could have done the things that he even did in Indianapolis in New England with lesser talent. Not a chance. Not a chance. That's why in that argument, when people say, Peyton Manning's a better quarterback. He had Dallas Clark. He had Marvin Harrison. I mean, he had Reggie Wayne. Not only that, he had Edger and James, and he also had Marshall Falk. How much more do you need? You know, quite frankly, if you think about it, 
Peyton Manning had the same kind of talent around him that Jalen Hurts has around him in Philly. Won one Super Bowl. Completely underachieved. Completely underachieved. So did Tony Dungy. One Super Bowl? Okay, well, I'm not thinking that that's something that when you put next to Peyton Manning's name, you think he over or underachieved in Indy? One one title? Shit, the guy in Pittsburgh had two. Roethlisberger won two. I mean, Peyton, Man- Peyton Manning, I mean, he had to... S- He's got the same kind of football team that Jalen has in Philly. So Peyton underachieved, but Jalen's going to overachieve. Dude, I think this is going to be a really tough year. Better schedule? By the way, Jalen Hurts last year, and again, not, not to go back over the Super Bowl stuff, but here, last year, might have been his best chance to win the Super Bowl. You know why? He'll never play a softer schedule ever again. He'll always be playing the top teams in the NFL because we're expecting him, or you are, to win 13 games every year. That's quite expectations. And let's get into the topic now to that, because I did like what Rob was talking about with these guys today. I did. I liked it. And I threw out this. How many people look at Buffalo Bills and think their four AFC titles is a failure. Like, is it Super Bowl or bust for the Eagles this year? Um, I like that topic they had. Is it Super Bowl or bust? Do, do, you, do you look at what the Bills did and go, the Bills failed? They won four AFC championships in a row. Do you call that a failure? Do you call last year's season a failure? What's success to you? Is it a failure for the Bills? JM, you think it's a failure? Was last year a failure for the Eagles? Be careful how you answer that because I got a response to it. Was last year a failure? It was a failure till for Elway till he won it. Hurts choked when it mattered the most. It's always Super Bowl or bust. Seals, you think there's more pressure on the Eagles this year due to two first rounders? I'm, I'm going to get to that here in a second. So Jalen Hurts was rewarded on failure last year. The Eagles thought it was a success season. They rewarded him. At the time, made him the highest paid player in the league. You're calling it a failure season last year. The Eagles are calling it a success. You don't give a quarterback $50 million a year if you think you had a failure season, do you? JM goes, nobody remembers the runner-up. Well, the Eagles must have. They just gave him $50 million. They rewarded him. They rewarded Lane, restructuring his contract. Malata. I 
So was the 2022 Eagle season a failure? What's success? What is success? The Bills are failures? <laughs> You'll never see that again. Team going to four Super Bowls in a row. It's not going to happen. Like ever. Salary cap. The constant turnover in rosters. Um, it, 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 unless they expand the roster with another buy, you're really not going to see that. Cal, Callie Green calls it progress. They rewarded him for being the franchise quarterback who failed. That's what Dank is saying. They rewarded him for being the franchise quarterback. You you mean like Arizona did? They rewarded him or was he just the next guy up? You guys are calling the Bills a failure. Well, then you must think the Eagle season was a failure. And Jalen was rewarded for a failure year. Can't have it both ways. Call the Bills a suck-ass team and think you guys had a successful season. Which is it? In truth, I think it's a little of both. Follow me here. I think when you're building a football team and you're looking for success, you're right. The Super Bowl is the affirmation and the validation of what your process is and what your culture is. It validates it. There's no question about it. It, 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 it accentuates all the things that you had been doing, all the hard work, all the culture building, everything. And I do believe that you have to have a Super Bowl in that organization with the same people in the front office so that you can validate what you're saying to players and the people that work in the personnel department and in the administration when it comes to doing cap work, salary cap. I do believe that because there's only so – you, you know why organizations fail. I think it's only so far you can go with blind faith. The Sixers are the greatest example of this. See, the Sixers tried to play eagle, eagle management with the fans. Okay, they, they tried to give you the same thing the Eagles gave you. Believe in the process. We got a process going on here. We're working as hard as we can to make this a winning environment. We're going to do everything. They can't validate what they're doing with the Sixers. They can't validate it. Most organizations can't validate it. Because you have to have something to show and to reflect back with, with muscle memory. See, we won the Super Bowl. Do you know what the Eagles have right now? That is so why the organization has momentum, why it feels the way it does. Because what is, what's the biggest thing that they have since 17? They show everyone in that organization from the top guy, the owner, to the personnel, to the coaching staff, and all the players, you know what they have proved? They can dig themselves out of a shithole quickly. Incredible. Because you know what you say when you're sitting at your locker? They'll fix it. You know what you say when you're in Philly? If you're a Sixer guy, man, same old shit. 
That's what that's the difference between the buildings. Same old shit. You're a sixer guy. Same old shit. You're you're sitting at your stall at the Novacare Center. You're doing this. Man, we need to stop the run. Don't worry, they'll fix it. And they do. The players look at it. Well, we won the Super Bowl. We're back in one. We had four wins three years ago. They are able to show their successes and failures as examples of culture. The failures in Philadelphia with the Eagles are as important as the 17 win and the 2023 Super Bowl loss. That's why that place is in a good place right now. That's why they don't want anyone ruffling the feathers or doing anything ridiculous or doing anything that could throw that off. I mean, anything. The Bills are choke otters. Never won, never will. 85 says that. I don't know. I think they've, I think with Bean and McDermott, well, then again, it's kind of a train wreck right now a little bit. It's kind of a train wreck now. So again, what will be a success this year? Super Bowl or bust? Here's mine. If the Philadelphia... See, here, here, I think maybe Eagle guys... I think you guys got tired of the Andy Reid thing. Because you know why? I think I think there's something to this. You guys were in... Hey, hey, Sills, we were in contention for the NFC Championship for five straight years. We got to one game, and we didn't win. And you know what? You had your heart ripped out every year. Yeah, but guess what? Would you rather have that scenario or would you rather be a team that flounders around like the Cardinals or the Jets? See, to me, I think being in it and constantly being considered a contender every year, I think that's success, especially in a team sport with over 50 guys. If you think you're going to win the Super Bowl every year, there's only been a handful of teams that have won back-to-back Super Bowls. It doesn't happen. So what you got to do is success to me is constantly being there, but having validated it. I I agree with you. You have to validate your process. Got to win one of these. The 17 win is incredibly important. The 2023 loss will be just as important for the players, the organization, the people in the city. Because then you see the winning and the losing. But guess what you are? You're in it. Seals, do you you think 2022 was a successful season for the Eagles? It was an exceptionally successful season. Free agents hit. The economic money was a success. The second round pick looks like a franchise quarterback. The coach looks like he's the right selection. The assistants all went on to be head coaches, the coordinators. How do you not look at that as a success? Oh, because you didn't validate it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get it. But you validated your process in 17. And you showed me something else. 
you know, we may have a down year. We may have some situation go bad for 18 months. It's kind of what that whole thing was that translated into that four wins. See, in a team sport, again, you're not going to win every year. You're just not. You should, hey, those of you that go like this, you're saying we shouldn't have the Super Bowl mentality or busment. No, because here's what I tell everyone. You know, I, I, I spoke to the Miami Hurricane guys about three years ago about this. And I told them this. I asked people in the room, I go, how many people want to go to a bowl game this year? You know what everyone said? They all put their hand up. I looked over at Mario, and you know what I said to him? You guys need to change your attitude. That's a failure attitude. Everyone, one of the captains on the team goes, why is that a failure attitude? I said, because if you're thinking about going to a bowl game, you're not thinking about going undefeated. You got to think about going undefeated. Knowing full well you may not get there. But then you'll learn to live with greatness and you'll be in the competition for a national title. If you're rooting for the Sun Bowl, you're going to go to the shit bowl. Can't You can't set your expectations that low. Mario's laughing. And he goes, he's right. A bowl game? There's 36 of them. Who gives a shit? They pick teams that are five and seven now. That's the problem in the building with those kids. You start talking shit to me about a bowl game? Half those bowl games, half? 95% of those bowl games, I told those kids, you could send my ass home. I ain't going. I'm not playing in the Frito-Lay Bowl or some blue turf bowl. I could give a shit about that. I'm playing for a national championship. I'm playing for a game that matters. Some stupid-ass Bahama Bowl ain't on my agenda. I'm not playing for some Bahama Bowl. That ain't working for me. Kids all got it. Okay? Kids all got it. The Eagles have a high expectation because they do believe like you do, Super Bowl or bust. But their, their, their process has been validated, guys. It's been validated. They won the Super Bowl. They've been to another NFC title game within five years. Six years. They, they've done it. They got a, hey, I'll tell you what. So let, let's take a look at this, for instance. Last six years, two NFC titles, the Super Bowl. What is it, three division titles? I, I mean, one four-win season, which was a train wreck. I get it. Fired the coach. Still. San Francisco wishes they had that shit. San Francisco can't get out of their own way. They're doing a better job of it. But once again, San Francisco does the ultimate. You know what that is? They're not prepared a quarterback. Ever. They haven't been paired. The, the 49ers haven't been prepared at quarterback since Montana. 
No wonder they made a run at Rodgers. It's being reported now the Patriots and the 49ers made a The Patriots and the 49ers made a run at Aaron Rodgers. 49ers needed to do everything they possibly could to get um, Aaron Rodgers. But you know at the end of the day why they couldn't? Because they couldn't afford him. Because they got multiple positions where they're paying guys and they got to sign Nick Boza to a contract. And they've got that... They got that anchor around their neck known as Trey Lance. They're not going to be able to do anything at quarterback until they jettison that guy. They won't be able to do anything. They can't bring in quality free agents. Shit, they were kicking the tires last year on bringing out of retirement Ben Roethlisberger. That's how bad it was last year. Then they struck gold with Brock Purdy. Now, guess what you're going into the season? You're hoping Purdy is what he is. You're quite, you're, you're, you're in the same position the Eagles were in a year ago with Jalen Hurts. Okay? That's where they are. They're not sure. They're not sure what they have in Purdy yet. They're pretty sure what they got in Trey. You know what that is? A project that's just not ready. Hey, Trey Lance, Anthony Richardson, all those guys. Oh, shit, man, I'll, t- I'll make a point to you here. Trey Lance will be lucky to be better than Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota's a better player. The Niners would have been better to bring him in as backup than Sam Darnold because it kind of fits the system up there. Dude, Trey Lance, one, Trey Lance one day may be a Colin Kaepernick type of guy. But do you know what I see? Can I tell you what I see Trey Lance as right now? Trey Lance is a worse version of Tyson Hill. And Tyson Hill, guess what he's doing now? He's a halfback in New Orleans. Maybe that's what they should do to Trey. Figure out another role for him. Since Kyle Shanahan's such a brilliant guy, maybe not, maybe make another role for him because he ain't a quarterback. Marcus Mariota is a better quarterback than Trey Lance. Marcus Mariota may be a better... No. Marcus Mariota is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. The backup quarterback in Philadelphia might be better than anything the San Francisco 49ers have at quarterback in in the room there. Think of that. They may have a better quarterback backing up Jalen Hurts. He's better than Sam Darnold. He's better than Lance. And I think he's probably better than Brock Purdy right now. What's Purdy done? That makes me go, he's sensational. Because he went on a win streak. So did Baker Mayfield. Making it sound like, hey, Purdy, I don't know. You don't know if Brock Purdy's the guy. They haven't figured it out. They have no plan at quarterback. And when you tell me Sam Darnold's a plan, and the last player taken in last year's draft, Is your plan? Okay. You'll be in the same position. You'll win a ton of games in a weak-ass NFC, 
You'll get into a critical game. And what will you do? You'll stub your toe. That's Kyle Shanahan. End of story. Niner, I hate to tell you that. You got a heck of a roster and you're wasting it. That football team is in trouble again because they haven't figured it out. It's June 16th, dude. It's 41 days to the start of training camp. And you haven't figured that shit out? You're late. It's over. So if Purdy gets hurt or he's not ready, who are you starting? Sam Darnold? How's that a plan? How in the world is that a plan? If Jalen goes down, I think Marcus Mariota can hold the fort down for a month. They may go two and two. That's okay. In the NFC, you could probably weather that. The Cowboys got through last year. What were they, four and one with Cooper Rush? Marcus Mariota is better than Cooper Rush. Okay? He's better. And you're going to try to sit here and tell me, yeah, well, we're the same. That's why when guys like Pete Prisco or some of these guys, the national guys, go the 49ers are the second best team in the NFL. How could they be the second best team in the NFL and they don't have a quarterback on June 16th? How in the world can you say that you have the second best team in the NFL and you don't have a signal caller? Okay? Hurts had all that talent around him and barely put up 22 passing TDs. Yeah, but they put up 14 wins with those TDs. They put up 14 wins. Dude, stop. Uh, 22 touchdowns? He had 22 touchdowns and six picks and 14 wins. I don't know. Is that bad? <laughs> I mean, where am I missing this? <laughs> Two wide receivers are over 1,000 yards? Every, hey, I'll tell you one thing that they did or what he did, and his numbers may not look great. And here's a prime example. Look at me. I'm defending Jalen Hurts here. Tone, you you might have to mark the tape here. Did Jalen Hurts throw for 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns? No. But you know what he did do? Every guy that was a skilled football player on that football team was on their way or did have a career year. The two wideouts had career years. The tight end was on his way to having a career year. And the running back had a career year. I don't know. That to me is making people around you better. Every single guy that was a skilled player had a career year and Jalen didn't throw for 4,000 yards. You're right. He only had 22 touchdowns. Everyone else around him had better seasons than he did. You're right. But I think that's what it's about. Okay. That's what I think it's about. Eli Manning was an elite, but has two Super Bowls. Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowl wins. His are MVPs, and his last name is Manning. Okay? Josh Allen is not a running back. 
Josh Allen is a skilled football player. Okay? Skilled. All right. I want to show you more of the lack of respect that you're getting for your players here. Um, I think you're going to be stunned here. Here it is right here. And I couldn't believe I got this list from someone here. And this is this is a lack of respect here for the Philadelphia Eagles here. Want to hit on that. Hour number two, hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. I want to congratulate Jimmy Johnson, Chuck Foreman, and Dennis Erickson on being elected to the Miami Hurricane Ring of Honor. Tremendous honor. Coach retweeted on my Twitter page. He absolutely loves the U. 
you got to remember something about Jimmy and his success and what a coach and what a player he was. Jimmy was on the national championship Arkansas team, played with Jerry Jones. So Jimmy's got a national championship as a player, as a college coach, and it has a Super Bowl ring. And he's in the college Hall of Fame, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's had quite a distinguished career. There's very few people that have that. He's won a national title as a player, and he's won a national championship as a college coach, and he's won a Super Bowl ring as a head coach. You would find that impossible to duplicate when you you look at some of the coaches that have tried to make that leap to the NFL level. The reason that Jimmy had success on every level is because he had a process and he believed in what they were doing, kind of what we're talking about. He believed in culture. He believed in having the right people in the right place. You know what he also believed in? People knowing their roles. Nobody stepping out of line. There was none of that. And it, 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 and, it, and I, I, I'll make a point to you guys, and I'll tell you guys a story that a lot of people don't know about Jimmy Johnson and why Don Shula and Dan Marino don't like him. Okay, I'll tell you why. And this is not public. Some of you, I've kind of like broached it a bit. Well, when Jimmy, and, and think about who Jimmy Johnson took over for. He took over for Tom Landry. And he took over for Don Shula. Try doing that. He's probably the only guy. By the way, he didn't have a losing record at the Dolphins. It just wasn't as successful because there were more people in the way. And the owner didn't want to do what Jerry Jones wanted to do. Wayne Heisinga was 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 not going to do. Get this, Wayne Heisinga was a worse owner than than Jerry Jones, because Jerry knew Jimmy knew what was best. Wayne didn't want to do it. He paid. He played to public opinion. Let me say this to you: Jeffrey Lurie made the right choice too. He had to fire a Super Bowl coach. That must have killed him. He had to fire Andy Reid. That had to kill him. You build up that great relationship with those men like that, and you have to call them into your office. I don't care what those relationships are now, but you still have to fire the guy. Come into the office. You're fired. Those are emotional and enormous decisions. That you're making for your franchise. It's win or lose when you make the wrong one, right? You guys see that all the time. You guys see that when there's wrong decision making, right? We're letting you go, right? Yell, man. And you were Andy Reid. Can you imagine being told that? We're letting you go. What? So Jimmy gets the job at the Miami Dolphins. Wayne Heisinger says, you have total say. Great. First move Jimmy Johnson wants to do is trade Dan Marino. He was going to trade Dan Marino to the Pittsburgh Steelers for multiple draft choices. Had a deal worked out. All cut three first-rounders, two twos. It was a Herschel Walker-type deal that would have set the Dolphins on a way where they would have had 
look at what he did just without that move. He found the linebacker who just went to the Hall of Fame. He found Jason Taylor in a later round. He was going to trade Dan Marino right away. Marino caught wind of it. Came down, had an argument with Jimmy. I'm the guy. I'm not saying you're not. We're not going nowhere with you. We got to run the ball. We have to have play action. You just can't sit back there. You've been here 20 years. It, there's been one productive season in your time here. He didn't want to hear that. I go, you never developed, Dan, a running attack. Man, those two guys, if you notice at the hall, if you notice at the um, retirement, Jimmy Johnson's name was not mentioned or was invited to the uh, retirement of Dan Marino because there was so much animosity. And the animosity, guess where it started? When I was in Dallas, you guys don't know the. I'm glad I could tell some of you guys this. Wayne killed it. I'm going to tell you, wait. So when Jimmy Johnson got to the Dallas Cowboys, you know what the worst hire was? Because he was friends with Don Shula. Don came to Jimmy and went like this. Look it up. Look it up. Jimmy's first year. You know who the offensive coordinator was? David Shula. He was terrible. I don't know if a coach has ever had more of an opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL than David Shula. I mean, he had like 50-some-odd losses as a head. I think he was 12-51 and 51 or some shit in Cincinnati. He was terrible. He ended up running the Shula Steakhouse. I love David as a businessman. He's good. Jimmy goes, the worst mistake I ever made. Calls him in soon as the season's over. The one in 15 year calls David Shula and he goes, get the, f you know what, out. you're fired. Man, that sent shit waves to Don Shula. You don't do that to his kid. Completely embarrassed him. And that set it up. So when Wayne brought him in, Don hated Jimmy. And that's why Jimmy didn't have any of the veteran guys coming around because the veteran guys were all Shula guys. And they were talking shit on Jimmy the whole time. There was a divide in that locker room in Miami because Dan Marino was a shitty teammate. This guy's worse than Donovan McNabb. Dan Marino's a terrible teammate. Oh, wait, I'll take that back. He is the worst player to coach. I'll, I'll take the teammate thing back because I know guys that love playing with him. Okay? Hardest guy to coach, Jimmy said. Just didn't want to hear anything. Thought he knew it all. Thought he knew. Uh, he didn't know. He never won but one year. So Jimmy puts his deal together. Three, three first-rounders, two twos, and get this. Three thirds for Dan Marino. Marino was like 35. I mean, you make that move with all those picks. Look at what the Jets got for a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. You make you make that move. So he runs up to his dad and goes, Jimmy Johnson wants to trade me to Pittsburgh. 
Dan's from Pittsburgh. Played his football at Penn Hills. No way. Huizinga comes down, and Jimmy goes, I need you to sign off on this trade. He goes, no. Here lies the difference in building a championship. Howie would have signed that because he would have trusted. Or uh, Jeffrey Lurie would have signed that because he would have trusted Howie. Jerry Jones trusted Jimmy when they traded Herschel. And the rest is history. Right there, there's the difference in championship decisions and why you have to have a really good guy in the building that you trust. It is about trust. Don't you agree? If Howie Roseman had put that deal on trading Marino for all that draft equity, Jeffrey Lurie would have signed it. He wouldn't have looked at what was best for the public opinion for you guys. He would have looked at what's best. That's why they fired Doug. It wasn't. The owner knew that he was going to take backlash from everybody in the community for firing Doug. But at the end, it empowered Howie. Firing Doug empowered Howie to do what he's doing now. And there lies championship decisions. That's how you do it. Right there. That, to me, shows you the difference, again, between winning and losing. And, 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 and Jerry's problem right now comes back down to, um, well, he thought he could replace Jimmy. I wonder. Hey, let, let's, let me ask you this. You think Howie's better than Joe Banner? You think, you think Howie's better than Joe Banner? As a general manager? This is kind of Joe Banner's kind of culture. He was kind of the architect around it. I think Tannenbaum had a little bit, right? Tanner Was Tannenbaum in the building for a year or two? <clears throat> am, I, am I right? Why do, why, do, why do I see the name Tannenbaum somewhere in the executive branch with the Eagles for something? I, I, what, was, was Tannenbaum in there? I, I know he was in Miami. But was, was Tannenbaum somewhere in there? I thought he was like um, like a bridge before, or maybe he worked with Chip. Um, I thought he was in that building somewhere when it came to being like a general manager or something. How he still has work to do? Yes, he does, and I still think that they're going to scour. Okay? I think they're going to scour uh, as they get closer to training camp, they're going to look at some of the rosters because they do need a bat. They need. I'll tell you what, I don't even know if they have enough linebackers to go to training camp. No Tannenbaum? Okay, my mistake. I thought for some reason he he was involved somewhere in, in management somewhere over the last uh, eight years somewhere. I could have swore he was in there, but okay. All right. So it's it, he's he's been great over the last five years. So you you think he's been you think he's been better than Joe Banner? I think he has too. Their drafts have definitely improved. Okay? Their drafts have definitely improved. All right, real quick before I get on to the disrespect match. Boy, I'll tell you something. I do think a lot of people are respecting what this roster looks like, but I do think sometimes they don't respect who's on the roster. 
Okay, I don't. But how do you feel about the organization and the Eagles putting a lot of faith in the cultures of Georgia and Alabama? What do you make of that? There's a lot of faith because they're taking a lot of players from those two programs and they're they're singling out those two programs. How do you feel about them really gambling on Bama and Georgia? A lot of draft choices. And not just draft choices. High draft choices. Big time draft choices. Gambles in some aspects. Okay? Guys like it, huh? Let's look at that just for... How about this? Not much of a gamble? Okay, well, let's take a look at that for a second. Not much of a gamble. And I've pointed this out to you before. Who's the biggest Georgia star in the last seven years? Roquan Smith? Okay, let me do Bama. Let me do Bama now. Patrick Sertain. Judy. Devontae. Waddle. How about defense? Bama defense. Where are all these superstar NFL guys? Nick Chubb. Where are all these superstar NFL guys from Georgia and Alabama? Derrick Henry. He's definitely a saving guy. Zach Thomas was the fifth rounder, and he's a Hall of Famer. Jason Taylor was the third rounder, and he's a Hall of Famer. Todd Gurley, was he there for Kirby? I don't know if he was there for Kirby. Maybe. What I'm saying to you is that, I don't know, man, those programs really produce the best players in the league. Do they? It's a pretty big gamble. Now, To what Yale said, here's what they're gambling on. They're getting the best coaching. They're getting the best training. They're getting the best head coaching. And they're getting the best preparation when it comes to playing in football games. That is what they're investing in. They're the top here. Here's what you get from Alabama and from Georgia. This is what you get when you you draft one of these kids. You know they're going to be one of the top high school prospects that were coming out of high school. They were one of the most recruited kids in the country and could have went anywhere they wanted. You know, when you go to Georgia or Alabama, you're getting the very best top flight assistant coaches. And in some aspects, you're going to be coached by people like Steve Sarkeesian, Bill O'Brien, Mario Cristobal, Jeff Stoutland. You're going to be coached by some of the greatest coaches in the sport. 
So you're going to know technique, you're going to know all that, and you're going to be given the best opportunity to be an NFL football player at those programs. You know the preparation from the head coach. There's going to be an environment to winning and consistently winning and being repetitively consistently winning. And those coaches set that environment. Yes. I think that's all important and part of the evaluating of Jalen Carter, N'Kobe Dean. And you see, here's the thing that I have no questions about. N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Ringo, any of the guys from Bama, anybody. Do you know why I don't have any question marks? Here's the question marks I don't have. I have no question marks on their preparation. I have no question marks on their desire to want to be great. I have no question marks on their desire to have been coached by some of the best coaches on the planet and are getting it now. This is just going to come down. And again, I don't think the Eagles are wrong for doing this. That's why you don't go to North Dakota State. I am never going to recruit a kid on pure talent like Anthony Richardson or Trey Lance. That's not happening. I'm not doing that. Those guys weren't coached well. Those guys weren't some of the top kids in the country. Those kids didn't play against the best competition. Those kids weren't prepared to be great. They were just athletes. Now, do some of those guys end up becoming, like, get this. Look at Michael Vick. Here's a great example, too, about Josh Allen. You think Michael Vick was coached great? by Beamer at Virginia Tech. Didn't he say that the the best coaching he ever got was when he got to the NFL and Andy Reid got a hold of him. It was the first time he learned how to read defenses. He was 10 years into his career. Can you imagine if Michael Vick learned how to read defenses early in his career? He'd probably be in Canton. He'd probably be in Canton. Okay. Look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen did have, had one rec, had one recruiting trip and one letter from Wyoming. Shittiest coaching in high school. Had to beg schools to look at him. One did Wyoming. Josh Allen is better now because he's he had Brian Dable. That was the reason he got better was because of the coaching he got at the Bills, not at Wyoming. Look at Jalen Hurts. Why do you think Jalen Hurts is where he is right now? You think it's because of coaching? I don't. I don't think the coaches have anything to do with where he is right now except for this. Except for this. And I'll tell you, I think it's a different way of coaching. I think it's a different way of coaching when it comes to Jalen Hurts. I'm not going to coach Jalen Hurts. I'm going to manage Jalen Hurts. And I think that's what the Eagles have figured out, how to manage it. You've got to have so much faith in the way he approaches the game. And those RPOs, you know, Arthur, I don't think it's coachable. I think it's, I think it's trust. Maybe that's part of coachable. But 
That's why when Nick says he's the most coachable guy, because they're not coaching him. They're giving him suggestions. Because that RPO offense is, is completely and 100% different from John Gruden's spread offense. It is not anything near Andy Reid. It's not anything near the Joe Burrow offense. You have got to set that guy on a path where you're doing this. That's why Brian Johnson, you know how he could become a problem? If Brian Johnson starts to suggest something in the middle of the game, I'm not co- – you know what? My question would be this. When Jalen Hurts comes over to the side and we're sitting there on the bench and we're in between series, if I'm Brian Johnson, I'm going to go, what do you see? And I'm going to have Mariota sitting next to him. What do you see? And maybe the influence of saying, hey, you know, the wide side of the field, they're not really setting the edge that much. You don't tell them what to do. You suggest that this is what we're seeing. Are you seeing that too? Because look at the responsibility that he has. Okay. When it comes to running that style offense, that's a lot of respect. He's got a ton of responsibility. Brady has no responsibility in the run game. Kevin, what quarterback would have gotten if the trade for what quarterback would they have gotten? I don't know. They may have drafted somebody that year. Oh, oh, I know, Kevin. I forgot. Troy Aikman was coming out of retirement for Jimmy. That's what it was. Oh, I forgot that tidbit. Google it. Troy almost came out of retirement for Jimmy. That was That's what was going to happen. Aikman was going to be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry I forgot that little nugget in there. <laughs> Okay? I forgot that nugget. Okay? Hey. Hey, hey, Yale. I'm sorry, man. I forgot that nugget. Yeah, uh, Aikman was going to be the, um, he he was going to be the quarterback of the Dolphins. Google it. You'll see. He almost came out of retirement. And I believe so did Chris Carter almost come out of retirement. Um, I, I, I completely almost forgot blaming failure on others is what losers do. I don't know what the heck's going on all all day. That's okay. Um, so Jalen again, good stuff, man. All right. I'm telling you, I think CBS hates the Eagles. I think CBS hates the Eagles. JM goes, Troy wouldn't do anything behind that line with those weapons. His release time was three times as slow as Marino's, and yet he's got three times the amount of Super Bowl rings. And and JM, you make it sound like that Cowboy line was spectacular. Emmett made it spectacular. That's why Jimmy wanted to have the ability to get a great back in there. You guys are crazy. Every single one of those players, except for one guy, Mark Stebnoski, was in Dallas the last three years of Tom Landry's career. He didn't do anything with it. They won three games. It was. Tom Landry, for three years, couldn't do anything with that old line. Why, JM? It was so dominant and so great. Martune was there. Martune was already in Dallas five years. 
Nate was in there already six. Crawford was there for bet. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wagers outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sports books has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game, Game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Kevin Gogan was there already three years. You're going to have to help me here. Um, why didn't Landry do anything with that old line for four years at the end? All those guys were in Dallas for four years before Jimmy showed up. Why weren't they that good? Oh, and by the way, they were one in 15 with that same old line. They were one in 15 until Emmett showed up. Okay. They were 1-15. in Emmett shows up. J.M. Emmett changed the room. It was Emmett. I heard Sills is coming to Philly this season once a week at Hooters. True? No comment. (laughs) Hey, by the way, Joe Krause, I promised you, forget it. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> hey, I, I, I promise. I, I, I've made I've made an oath to Joe Kraus that I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I I've made a I've made a promise. So I'm, I, I told him I'd have to give my left foot and I'd have to eat my left foot on my show if I say anything. So I have to like, kind of like, you know, let's just say we got great things working. I'll leave it there. <laughs> and he knows it's killing me too. He knows it's killing me. I just got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, hey, 85. Okay, dog. You're right. <laughs> then don't show up. Anyone who shows up, big, we're going to sit down and have some beers and some things. If it happens. If it happens. Big Sills ever get to do Rogan? Been working on it. He's trying to find some time. Arthur, working on it. Working on it. I thought that interview today, by the way, would... JFK Jr. was spectacular. He's really a great interviewer, man. Thank you, Jameson. I appreciate it. All right. Guys, I got to tell you, man. I'm starting to buy into this Philly hatred. I'm starting to buy into the Philly hatred. So CBS 
I told you they ranked the top. Pete Prisco ranked the top 100 players in the NFL. Okay? Here's where he has your Eagles. He has nine of them ranked. Here we go. Maniac. Feels very important. Would you draft chicken parm or meatball parm? Meatball. Well, well, no, wait. My meatballs. Not American meatballs. Not white guy meatballs. You got to have silly Italian meatballs. We can't have white guy meatballs. Depends on what the meatball is. If they're my meatballs on a sandwich, yeah, we're good. But if we're just doing white guy meatballs, that's not working. I'll take the chicken palm. Okay. Robert Kennedy Jr. Thank you. Thank you, senior. Thank you, senior. Appreciate that. My mistake. By the way, um, Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, actually worked for my friend John Morgan. I met him numerous times. He worked at Morgan & Morgan. Did the whole thing with Monsanto. What a fabulous and interesting man Robert Kennedy Jr. is. Love the guy. Probably, I could possibly vote for the guy. I mean, I really like him. So, anyway, I'll drink a cold one with you. We're good. Love you. <laughs> Italian food are the best. Alexander, here's my deal. Italian food. Dude, I love Cuban food. Chinese food. You're going to be shocked. Some Southern food. Um, Like chicken fried steak and eggs and shit like that. Yeah, the cotton, yeah. I love Cuban food. Man, I like rice. That's why. Puerto Rican food is phenomenal. Phenomenal, man. Great grub. We're all dumping them down with big sales. 11, that'd be fun. Hey, hey, hey dude. See, I, I, I remember this. Big sales, oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to have a ride home because I don't drive to bars because if I'm going to drink, Big Sills will never be behind the wheel hammered. It's not happening. Okay? That's just not happening. Calamari. Now, look. There's a difference, though, Greasy. Fried calamari is good depending because some most places, they cook it like white folks. And what I mean by that is they over-fry it. It's kind of, kind of you know, there's, there's a technique to it. I also like it over red sauce. I'm a scoongeal guy, though. Here's my top – before I, I get on to the disrespect of the Eagles, you know we got to do this with food here first. Here's the Big Sills dishes. I love a five-pound lobster, three-pound – this is why I love the Palm. It's my favorite restaurant on the planet. Joe Krause? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Sills loves the Palm. It's favorite restaurant because they got five-pound lobsters. And I love the dishes they have. Clams Casino – the lobster bisque is off the charts great. I know I know the president and general manager of the place. Really great grub. But I, my second favorite dish is scoongeal. Now, my grandpa made it a certain way, okay? He put it in, like, Hebrew salt after he took it out of the shell, put it down, and get this, all the black and stuff off of it, all that, like, grime and greasy stuff that was on it, they got it all off of it white as a bar soap. Then we would cut these things, man. Holy cow. You get garlic, you get, you get, here, you, you cut them up, you put them in a bowl, 
You get Parmesan. You get garlic. No, no, gar- no Parmesan. My bad. You get you get Italian parsley, lemon. Italian parsley, lemon, and garlic. You put it in there. You spin it. You got to put it in the refrigerator for about 30 minutes. Holy cow, that stuff's like crack cocaine. Unbelievable, man. My aunt, you know what I get for Christmas? My aunt sends me scoongeals. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I love that. I love clams. Clams, lobster, scoongeal. The Italian meatballs. I like, I like Parmesan. I will eat lamb, lamb chops. All right, let's let's get off the grub. It's Friday. I feel like barbecuing now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like barbecue. Garlic on everything. Hey, how you doing? What the heck is scoongeal? You don't know Jameson what scoongeal is, and you live in the east. Somebody help this guy out. You guys don't know it. Do you, do you know what galamat is? Galamat is calamari. White guys call it calamari. Galamat is uh, calamari. Barbecue's great, too. Yes, sir. See, my wife, Sue, my wife is from Texas. So my wife cooks all that, you know, ribs, and she's a great – I can't touch the barbecue like D. Gunn can. I'm not I, – I, I turn hamburgers into, like, hockey pucks. My wife is one of the greatest, man. She did it last night. We had some chicken and some dogs last night. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just a wonderful cook, man. Okay. Oh, yeah. Look at Greasy talking that. Here we go. So here's the disrespect that the national media has. Mad Italian food in Northeast. James. Oh, I miss that so much. James, I'll tell you what you have in your neck of the woods going up to Wildwood and up towards Ocean City. Do you know? And I'm sorry for those that don't live there. Let me tell you what that the blue shell crabs. Oh my God. Go to the shore. Man, that old bay sauce. You put that shit in there, man. Man, there is nothing like blue shell crabs. That is an unbelievable meal. Put some corn in there. Good night. Blue shell crab. Hey, you know how my, my pop and I, my Uncle Mike, used to go get them too. Where I lived in Stanford, we'd go out into like the sound and we'd have a, a garbage bag or not a garbage bag, but a garbage pail. And we would put like uh, inner tubes. You remember them old inner tubes? We'd put them around there and we'd get nets and we would just get the blue shell crabs and we would put them in the buckets. And we would take them back and we would cook them up. My grandma would cook them up, put the old bay on, start killing them things. Man, them crab shacks in the New England area. From I would say from Philly, Baltimore, Ocean City. Um, Wildwood used to. You guys are telling me it's not that hot there right now. But Atlantic City used to have a whole shitload of great places too. When I was a kid growing up, we used to go down from Montauk, where my aunt used to go, and Block Island, all the way down through Atlantic City, all the way down to just north of Philly. And we'd go down to Wildwood, have nickel beer night, eat all them crabs up, and then go home. It was crazy, crazy cool. I spent my whole I spent my whole life up in that entire region, Jones Beach, all the way down Atlantic City, all the way down to Ocean City, Maryland. Shit, man. 
fun time, man. I don't know if I don't know if it's that way any longer. But that was my life. Okay. Sills, do you and the rest of the Jacob crew hang out outside of work? You know what? I'm I'm not close to those guys. That's why I that's one of the reasons why I talked to D Gunn and um and to Rob. It's not because I'm sitting there wanting to interfere with their show. I just want to let them know that I support them. They're a part of our team and that I'm a teammate and that we're trying to do something great in Philly and around the country. And I just want people to know that I'm part of a team. And so that's kind of what I do. Okay. Seals doesn't leave the house. Kate may. Oh, another great place. Absolutely. Let me get to this now. All right, dude. I don't look at these players. Okay, I really don't look at these players the way Pete Prisco looks at them. Here's how he looks at your Eagles on CBS. Lane Johnson is the 18th best player. I had him 16th in the NFL in the top 100 players in the league. So we're kind of in the same room here. Pete Prisco has Jalen Hurts as the 31st Best player out of 100 players in the NFL. I have Jalen Hurts 19th. Here's, here's now where we get even more obnoxious. Jason Kelsey is the 42nd best player in the NFL out of the top 100. 42? Where would I rank Jason Kelsey? 42? No way. Where would I rank Jason Kelsey in the top 100 players in the NFL? CBS has him 42. That's Alexander. I'm with you, Alexander. 25. That sounds about right. Is Jason Kelsey the 25th best player? Fredericksburg, great place. You're, you're, hey, James, Fredericksburg, I think you've got Knoxbury Farm up in that neck of the woods, right, James? You got Knoxbury Farm. I think Six Flags is up in that neck of the woods, too. Um, Kelsey's 25 to me. I'm with you. Here it gets more obnoxious. You ready? A.J. Brown, Pete Prisco and CBS has him ranked 47th. The 47th best player in the league. A.J. Brown's the 47th best player in the league. I think that's crazy. 40, 40, 47. I'm going to say this. I think A.J. Brown is probably thirty-five. Thirty-five. 
I'd say he's 35. This even gets better. Jordan Mulata, the 60th best player in the NFL, I think that sounds right. That sounds about right. Okay? He's still learning. I don't have a problem with that. I'm okay with that. How about this one? Hassan Reddick, the 64th best player in the NFL. According to CBS, 64. So you're trying to tell me you don't think Hassan Reddick's one of the top 50 players in the NFL right now? He's had double-digit sack years three years in a row, and he had 16 last year. You think he's 64th? Man, I do not. I'm going to put him at 50. I'm going to put him at 50. He ain't no 64. He's a top 50 guy. Devontae Smith. CBS has him the 69th out of 100 best players in the NFL. Sixty-nine. What do you make it at? Too high, too low. Too high, too low. I'm going to put Devontae Smith at 65. I think I think 65. Maybe I may... Uh, you don't mind that spot? You think 69 sounds right? Yeah, that's 65, 69. I, I think so. Remember, remember something. There's like 1,800 players. <laughs> okay, these are the top 100. There's no shame here. Landon Dickerson, 77. I think that sounds right. Here's the one that gets me. Darius Slay, 96. The 96th best player in the league is Darius Slay, and you gave him 15 million bucks a year. Oh. <laughs> Slay probably saw that shit of Bricky. He goes, hang on here. You think I'm like the 100th best player in the league? You know, he's looking at that thing going like this. Are you fucked? <laughs> Actually, I think that's right. I don't think he's a standalone corner. I think he has to have people around him and helping him. I think he has to have a pass rush. He's a center fielder. It's not a lockdown corner. How do they measure this? Hey, 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 I agree, man. How do you how do you know if he's the hundredth best corner? I mean, the guy made the Pro Bowl last year and was an all pro. I think Landon Dickerson's a really good player, man. I don't think people really have a high opinion of him. I don't know why. I thought he was great last year. You know, more people had opinions on Isaac Sayamalo than they did on Landon Dickerson. I I I don't I don't I didn't I don't think Landon Dickerson is a lesser player than Isaac. Pro Football Focus even thinks the same thing. 
that Sam is a better player. I don't know about that. I don't, I, I, I really, I, I don't know about that. All right. I'm going to take a timeout. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Darius Slay salaries ranked 135th. Okay. So it's value. Yeah, okay. By the way, I want to thank James and um, Tone for posting <laughs> Wentz Hall of Fame to the Eagle Hall of Fame because, uh, yeah, you as you could imagine, everyone right now is like, F no, not that guy, even though he hey, – Carson Wentz a better quarterback than Donovan McNabb? Did he have a more successful time as an Eagle quarterback than McNabb? Huh. 
Who had a more successful run as an Eagle quarterback? Donovan McNabb or Carson Wentz? I don't ever remember McNabb finishing second in the MVP. Um, did McNabb have a better career than, um, than Wentz did? Wentz won a lot of games. Hey, let me think of that. What was Carson Wentz's record as a starting quarterback in Philly? Huh. Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson, I mean, uh, McNabb played longer. That's it. Didn't do more. Seals, you sound so, really? Okay. Philly, 35 and 22. 11 and 2, 9 and 7, 5 and 6, 7 and 9. Pretty productive years throwing the ball. Maybe it's because I just don't like McNabb. Oh, maybe that's it. Hey, maybe that's it too. See, you guys, some of you guys like McNabb. I don't. And maybe that plays into why you don't like Wentz either. I have zero say on what <laughs> technically nicely done. Way to play it, Tone. Way to play it, good man. Oink, oink, good man. <laughs> oh, yes, sir, man. Oink, oink, my good man. McNabb, borderline Hall of Fame player. Really? Donovan McNabb is a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback. He's not better than Sims. Let's see. He's not better than Phil Sims. Um, All-time leading passing yard quarterbacks list. Let's take a look at that, McNabb. Is McNabb better than Roethlisberger? Never. Better than Rivers? Never. Is he better than Matt Ryan? Wow, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's got an MVP. Is he better than Matt Ryan? Let's see what Matt Ryan's done. Matt Ryan, seventh in passing yards, 62,000 yards. Went to a Super Bowl and has an MVP. Do, 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 do you think McNabb is better than Matt Ryan? I'm going to put that name down. I think that's kind of comparable. Matt Ryan. Your guy's Matt Ryan. He's not better than Warren Moon. Is 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 Donovan McNabb better than Carson Palmer? Yeah. Is he better than Drew Bledsoe?
Is Carson Palmer better? I mean, is uh, Donovan McNabb better than Drew Bledsoe? I think Drew Bledsoe do 44,000 yards. Not bad. Yeah, probably. Better than Joe Flacco? You think he's better than Joe Flacco? Careful what you say here. Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. And I believe a Super Bowl MVP. You think he's better? Oh, wait. Who won the MVP in that Super Bowl for the uh, for the Ravens that he won? Was it him? I forget. His, was, was Flacco... Was, was Flacco a Super Bowl MVP? Joe Flacco, man, 42,000 yards. Did Joe Flacco win it? Did, did he win the MVP award in that Super Bowl, or was it? Um, I, I, maybe he did win it. So Joe Flacco's got a Super Bowl MVP and 42,000 yards. Okay? Flacco was MVP. Donovan McNabb's not better than Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's not a Hall of Famer. Is he better than Andy Dalton? Yes. Here's McNabb. He's 27, 37,276. Kirk Cousins will pass him this year. Kirk Cousins and Donovan McNabb. Man. I would say that I, w- I would say that Donovan's better than Cousins. Not better than Jim Kelly. Oh, here it is. Is Donovan McNabb a better quarterback than Tony Romo? <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait. I got another better. Is Donovan McNabb a better quarterback than Dak? Tony Romo or Dak versus McNabb? Hey, hey Zeus, you think they're the same? McNabb's better than Dak? I don't know. I don't know if McNabb, who would I want quarterbacking my team? Dak Prescott or Donovan McNabb? I think they're the same. McNabb was more consistent during his prime. Sills with his trolling eyes. It's not trolling. Oh. See, I think that's kind of that's gotta be like a burner account for for Tone or for James. <laughs> uh. That's gotta that's gotta be like a burner account. Um, okay. Hey, hey speed. That's gotta it's somebody's gotta it's gotta be one of them guys, man. Dak also falls but McNabb's better. McNabb's better than 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 Dak. 
postseason record has to matter. And Donovan was incredible. Here, here's the one thing that I'm trying to think. Who's a comparable guy to McNabb? If you're saying he's a borderline Hall of Fame, is it Phil Sims? Now, Phil's got two Super Bowl rings. So I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah, Fly, I, I get it. Who's had that kind of success in the postseason? So you're telling me he's kind of like Danny White, who went all to those NFC title games with the Cowboys after he took over for Stallback? Who's the guy that did the same thing that McNabb did, was kind of always in that and just never won the big one? Like, no, Fouts is superior to him. Steve McNair is a great one. Steve McNair and McNabb. Do I think Steve McNair is a Hall? I do not think Steve McNair is a Hall of Fame guy. I don't think. Where is he on this list? Steve Mc Steve McNair. That's a great one. Here. So he's at 30. He's he's ranked 51. McNair. His dude, his record is 91 and 62. Wow, he had a lot of winning. Don Steve McNair. In 14 years, was 91 and 62. Wow. I didn't realize that. 31,000 passing yards, 174 touchdowns. Wow. I didn't, his rushing's got to be insane too. Well, I didn't realize that. 35, almost 3,600 rushing yards. Man, Steve McNair is pretty close. No, McNair, McNair got to the Super Bowl. Remember when the guy was reaching out against the Rams? They lost to the Rams like on the last play. Kelly played in the Super Bowl four times. Yeah. Yeah, McNair, McNair and and Donovan. Yeah, kind of the same. Those are two good quarter. Those are two good quarterbacks, though. Look, I just don't like the guy, but to me, um, McNabb, McNabb won. He, he, you have to give him his credit for what he did by putting the Eagles consistently in the NFC Championship race. All right, Power Hours coming up. We're gonna reset. Hit the like button, please. It's a Friday. Going into the weekend. Father's Day weekend, too, by the way. Please do me a favor. Hit that like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. 
go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, thank you, mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. I've learned that there is a trigger for Eagle fans, and his name is Carson Wentz. My Twitter, as expected, is blowing up. No, I, you know what? I, I didn't know how much it would blow up. That Dan Silio show. Hell no! He only had one year! So does Jalen. Hell no! He only had one good season. The same shit that I talk about with Jalen Hurts. They go back and use that to indict Wentz when it comes to me even bringing up him being an Eagle Hall of Famer. Man, you guys do not practice the same shit you preach. Not at all. You use the same shit to indict a guy to, to validate a guy. It, it's hypocritical. You're hypocrites. You are hypocrites. Wentz only had one good season. So did your guy right now. And you're calling him elite. 
should see it. There's a guy in there going, you can't put a guy in the Hall of Fame because he played one year. Well, not necessarily true. He didn't have one good season. He had multiple good seasons in Philly. That's actually not true. It's actually not true. Keon goes, Jalen's not a Hall of Famer either. Jalen's not a Hall of Famer because he hasn't done anything but one year. Carson Wentz has. I showed you what he's done. He's done a hell of a lot more than most of the quarterbacks in the history of your franchise. He had a better career than Vic there. He had a better career. Oh, by the way, how many people think Nick Foles belongs in the Eagle Hall of Fame? Too early to talk Hall of Fame. I wasn't really talking Jalen Hall of Fame. I was I wasn't talking that. But you're see how you try see what Eagle fans are doing? They're making it sound like Carson Wentz had one season of decent ball. 16,000 yards, almost 17,000 yards, two to one in touchdown ratio, 113 touchdowns to 50 touchdowns, 90 quarterback rating. Um Holds the records for most attempts and completions, first and second. Highest yardage in the history of the league, of the of the franchise for a single season and the fourth most. And he's thrown the most touchdown passes in a single season in franchise history. That's not one season. There's multiple, 16, 17, 19, and some of 18. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He played only one year. <laughs> no, he didn't. Actually, he helped you win a Super Bowl. But see, that was all falls, right? You guys give all the credit in the world. Hey, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this one. Who do you identify the 2017 Super Bowl with and Super Bowl championship team with? Nick Foles or Carson Wentz? Who do you, who do you identify that team with as the leader of that team? Let's see. Wentz played 13 games and Foles played three four, five, six, played six games. I think that in that 17 season, I think he played six. Sound right? Foles? Guy played six games. You identify. <laughs> and the guy who played 13, you don't. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, interesting. Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh. Peterson. History is history. People today only care about what they have done for me today. Foles, but no Wentz, no Super Bowl. <laughs> Foles, even when Wentz was playing, they had a, few, a, a Foles mural. Listen, Wentz got us there, but Foles won it. But Foles is not a Hall of Famer. Okay. He left his imprint, closed it out. We we brought it home. I, I, I get it, Twiz. But you should see my Twitter right now. 
What do you mean? How in the what? No, no, no. Way to go, James. Technically, Tone, way to go. Hey, no, no. Man, I don't know. I think you guys hate Carson Wentz more than you hate Ben Simmons. Is that a fair proclamation? Obviously, Foles, you fool. Dare you? How dare you disrespect Foles, you fool? They put up a statue. Remember that. The hell? Again, hey, outsider, let me hook you up on something. We got a statue of Nikki. Philly, Philly, bitch. Uh huh. Philly, Philly. Carson Wentz, Hall of Famer. You crazy? There's a statue of Nick and his boy, Dougie. Dougie Fresh. Man. Dude, oh, I've, I now, from now on, dear God. Please, thank you. From now on, I'm going to evaluate Jalen Hurts on what Jalen Hurts on what Carson Wentz has done as a starting quarterback for the Eagles. Let me take a look at that right now for a second. Let's see here. Yeah. Let's see here. Jalen Hurts stats. All right. Let's see here. Okay, here we go. There we go. Let's see. 265 completions. Well, we won't do that one. We'll do his MVP year. 306, that's great. 460. 3701. Oh, man, this is... Yeah, here it is. 3701. Twenty-two and six. What's that quarterback rating? One on one five. All right. Let me take a look. This is this is oh this is great. Carson Wentz stats. Let's see. Second year starting. <laughs> Let's see. Second year starting. 11 and 2. 44, 440 attempts. Wow, less attempts. I'm actually shocked. Jalen threw the ball more. 
Carson at 265 completions. Wow. Look at that. See, this isn't what you thought. This isn't what you thought. 32-96. Threw for even less yardage. He blows him away in the touchdowns, though, 33-7. to And what was the quarterback rating? Oh, Jalen blows him away. No, it's 101.9. And Wentz had, or no, and Jalen had 101.5. Pretty close. Wow. So look at that. In the second year starting, both guys helped bring their team to the Super Bowl. One guy had a ton of quarterback, had a ton of touchdowns throwing the ball, but Jalen does, at the end of the day, Jalen does get the ball in the end zone running it too. Yeah. Who would you want, Foles? Who would you want, Foles or starting QB? Sills is in shock. I I actually am, Sue. Jalen Hurts. Did Jalen Hurts have a better Super Bowl year than what Carson Wentz did? Tone, what do you think? Twenty more attempts, dude. A ton more completions. Thirty-one more completions. Five hundred more passing yards. Now, what's his name at eleven more TD passes? It's a lot, but Jalen makes it up again under dual threat. Who had the better MVP year? You got me. Mark the tape. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Wentz had the better year. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I don't know, man. Because you do have to put the rushing yards in there. You have to. You have to. You have to add that in. You have to. You. You just can't. Now, if we want to make a Skip Bayless topic out of this and go like this. Who was a better passer that year? Still, I don't know. I think Jalen had a better MVP run than what Wentz did in 17. Wentz was 11 and 2. I get it. But here's the thing, too. Um, I'm, I'm actually shocked. I'm actually shocked. Yeah, Mara, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about whether or not Carson Wentz should be in the Eagle Hall of Fame. Okay? That's what we're talking about. I'd love to see that, Fly. Fly says Wentz was amazing in 17. Respect. Okay? That's why I'm saying to you guys here, what's, what's, what's wrong with debating whether or not you think that guy belongs in your Hall of Fame? There's no shade on it. There's nothing wrong with it. You won a Super Bowl. Shit, man. I wouldn't have a problem putting Nick Foles in. You know why? Here. Nick Foles, here's why Nick Foles is an Eagle Hall of Famer. 
Nick Foles had the greatest moment in football history in Philadelphia in the Super Bowl era. Case closed. Had the greatest moment in the history of your franchise in the Super Bowl era. Case closed. No one else. Nick Foles had the greatest moment in Eagle Super Bowl era history. Case closed. No debating. Nothing. Nick Foles had the greatest story in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe overall. Brought you the greatest moment in the history of the franchise. Okay? I would have to agree and say Hertz. Hertz was more accurate, more productive, and ultimately played in the big game despite the loss. Plus, I believe Hertz is a, affects the game. Wow. Okay, so Wentz was... Wentz, who was who was Wentz's um who was Wentz's targets that year? Man, my my Twitter's blowing up here. You guys are making a good. You guys are making you you hey, this has been a a good topic here today. <clears throat> who was he throwing to? Let's see here. Who was he throwing to that year when it came to um, Alshon Jeffries? LeGarrette Blunt was in the backfield. Had 700. Wow, Garrett Blunt had 766 yards. Holy shit. I didn't know he had that many yards. Hey, man, I'll tell you one guy that you guys had on that team that I really liked. That Corey Clement. I really liked Corey Clement. Okay, Wentz had Alshon, Torrey Smith, Zach Ertz, and Nelson Aguilar. Not near the talent that Jalen Hurts has. Not near the talent. Hurts is not. Hurts is good. Torrey's not bad. Jeffries was okay. Let me see what he did that year. Alshon Jeffries had 789. I mean, nobody was 1,000. So wait a minute. Carson Wentz threw the ball for 33 touchdowns and nobody had 1,000 yards receiving? Did Zach Ertz? No, he had 824. Nobody had 1,000 yards receiving? Carson Wentz did more. Hey, Tone, when you say, dude, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts had two guys with 1,000 yards receiving. And a 1,300-yard back. You had a guy get 700 yards rushing the ball on the Garrett Blunt, and nobody had 1,000 yards receiving. 74 catches for Ertz and 824. Aguilar was 62 for 768. Holy shit. Carson Wentz did all that with that? I'm stunned. Who are your stars? You didn't have any stars on that team. Holy cow. Dude, Wentz had a better year because he had nobody. He had nobody on that. He had nobody on that team. There wasn't a guy with a thousand yards in total offense. Maybe Ertz. No, 
there wasn't a guy on that offense that had a thousand yards in total offense at any position other than the quarterback. You telling me you don't think he deserves consideration for the? I don't know. Okay. Wow. That was Aguilar's best season. Not a very. I don't know. He was. He was okay. Sills, remember when Hurts threw for 4K and had guys like Greg Ward and Travis catching passes? Dude, that's terrible. That whole 2017 team was hated on so much. So happy they won. Really? I didn't know that, Sue. The 2017 team was hated on? Doesn't sound that way to Tone. I mean, when I hear Tone talking about that 17 team, he loved that team. Am, am, I, am I wrong? Am I wrong, Tone? You, you love that team. You, so you think the Eagle fans love this team more than that 17 team? Wow. Am I learning some things today? Wow. Boy, I tell you what, you bring up that, you bring up that 17 team. Interesting. By the way, we're going to catch up with our friend Jason Cole here in a minute. And, and get his thoughts on that. You know what? I'm going to ask him about Carson Wentz here and him working with John Gruden. I, I kind of posted the other day that I had a conversation with John Gruden, and John Gruden said that he had to go to a place where a coach kicked his ass, like Doug Peterson, or, or someplace like Pete Carroll. John thinks he potentially lands in a place like Seattle. Not Green Bay. Green Bay's not going to kick. Matt LaFleur's not going to kick his ass. And I wonder what, again, I wonder what people, especially in the media, think about quarterbacks like Derek Carr. John Gruden was in New Orleans last week helping install the offensive game plan for New Orleans. I mean, I wonder I wonder what folks have, to, you know, are, are, think about John Gruden here. So we're going to catch up with our friend Jason Cole here in a second here. Um, I love that 17 team. They won 22 teams. Nice, but let me bring in my friend Jason Cole. By the way, don't forget his book right here. Believe me, I need more of this reading because of my daughter and learning how to be. This, this book actually is helping me become a better parent. Well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. No, listen, I'm not kidding. I, 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 you know, it's like, I appreciate this. just chill. I got to relax. Sit back and let it happen a little bit more. You know, just stay out of, stay out of the way. That's best advice that you could give and maybe even some coaches. Let me ask you something. What's your impression of John Gruden being in the news, some NFL team wise, like the Saints bring him in. He's there a full week with Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis brings him in. You know, you got players on that team that kind of didn't kick any dust up, didn't say anything. It's in a submissive role. It's not a leadership role. Right. And you see him working with Wentz. What's your feeling? I mean, you think there's a way he comes back into the league or do you think it's always going to be a consultant role? Probably a consultant role. Um, if for no other reason, then I'm not sure he wants to deal with it. Right. Like he's gonna make plenty of money um, doing these kinds of projects, 
and he's you know he's going to get paid out most of his contract already. Does John Gruden need cash? Um, does he need the hassle? If you know if he was really pushing this point to try and win um, a job back, he'd be out, much more out front about it. I think the job is kind of done at this point in time. I think he's probably settled that you know his career is over. And that he'll pop in and out where he can. And if somebody wants to give him, you know, like an offensive coordinator role, I think that that's a real stretch for him. But I, I just don't see him being a head coach again. I just, A, he's not worth the hassle. And B, it's not worth the hassle on his side or the team's side. To I, I agree. I, I think pulling back scabs in a locker room and doing self-inflicting wounds, Jason, it's just it's, it's, it's counterproductive to what you're trying to do especially when you see what the noise is going on in Buffalo. That's the kind of stuff you kind of try to stay away from. Give me your take on what you think that whole scenario is up in Buffalo with Stefan Diggs. And all of a sudden now McDermott comes out the head coach of the bill saying, Hey, this stuff has been resolved. I mean, just, just give me your take. He just wants more money. He wants a longer time. He makes $25 million now. People like money. So I'm not look, it's just about it's always about getting your next contract. And Stefan Diggs has shown he's more than happy to um rattle cages to get his money. Okay. And maybe they took care of him, may not. We'll find out, you know, soon enough. And it's gonna get a report. If they change the contract somehow, it's gonna get reported. Okay, it has it has to be. So we'll find out if they did something like that. But I, I, I think he got a little bit of a victory, but not an insane amount of a victory. Um, otherwise, he would be touting it and announcing it. Um, some of the people are starting to kick their feet up. Um, um, the kid in Pittsburgh is talking about it. Obviously, a lot of people around the NFL about the undervaluing of the running back position. I mean, Dalvin Cook is released, and the only reason he's released is because of money. Had a great year a year ago. You know, he's averaging only 213 carries. He's 28. He was productive. I mean, is it true, in your opinion, Jason, that because the league is so pass-happy and everything is about red zone and everything now is about fantasy football, that that position is being kind of almost not eliminated, but there's a less value. The Eagles have a less value on it. They got it by committee now. Right. I mean, I think the committee approach, especially when you go to 17 games, right? Like – you can't if you get a guy who averages 15 carries a game you're talking right there um what is it 75 um you're talking over 200 you're talking over 250 carries right there and that's just 15 carries a game like the days of a guy getting 20 to 25 carries a game it, it, he he won't survive he won't he won't work into the postseason plus when your quarterback in so many of these systems is a de facto running back in Philadelphia, Jalen hurts is a de facto running back, right? He's part of that running game. You don't need to invest in that as much as, you know, as other teams. Now, Minnesota is different because obviously Kirk cousins is not part of their running game. So I'm very curious about what they've done here with Dalvin cook. And I think it's a gigantic mistake um, and they're just going to put a lot of pressure on, you know, on the receiver on the outside and on Cousins here. And I don't think that Madison's a very good player. I think he's a complimentary player. So I don't really understand this, but 
you know, people put numeric values on, on positions and the current general manager there is not the guy who drafted Delvin cook. So he's sitting there going, we have to make expenditures other places to keep other players. We'll let it go here. I don't agree with it, but I understand what they're thinking is. Do you think there's a market for Carson Wentz? In what in what capacity as a backup? Sure, you got to have guys who who played in games. Sure, but, you know beyond that, no. I mean, so you'd be comfortable. You I mean you think Davis Mills is a better option in Houston? Well, they now they've got Stroud. They got Stroud. They're, they got they're, Stroud. They're, yes, I mean, look, Davis Mills. Is so a place he wouldn't be a better say down in Arizona than Colt McCoy. Well, as a, st- I mean, but that, but that's not really a starter position. No, okay? it's not. It's Kyler Murray's going to be the starter when he's ready. So why are you wasting time and money with Carson Wentz? If you're trying to make Carson Wentz into a starter again, you have to commit a certain a significant amount of time and downs into developing him as a player again. And all of that evaporates as soon as Kyler Murray's ready. So I don't understand why you're doing, why you're doing that. Like, I think the be- I think the best thing that could ever happen to Carson Wentz is that he has this crash moment where he's no longer a starter and he takes the time to assess where his career is and why he you know is not is not succeeding and get to a place where there's a really good quarterback coach. You know like if you could end up in Kansas City that would be the perfect place for you because you can you know sit there and watch and learn from really good coaches about how to play the position. You know, that's what happened with Nick Foles. He resuscitated his career by going back to play with Kansas City, and they went on to Philly and had a great run and, you know, kept you know kept his career going. You know, Jason, I, I, I heard the nicest backhand, in a way, by a teammate for another player this week that you could ever have in a kind way. George Kittle comes out and says, Look, Trey Lance is a starter, just not here because that's Purdy's job. I mean, then you hear Trent Williams talking the other day going, hey, I like the fact the kid kind of rolls off his back, the negativity and this and that. There's really not a lot of positive energy around Trey Lance. I mean, what what does San Francisco do with that? Because it's an ultimate train wreck with the amount of three ones they had to give up with the Dolphins to move up. You got Purdy that could potentially save it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Jace, that is really a tough position right now for both the player and the organization. Well, that's why this season, to me, this offseason, has all been about them trying to trade Trey Lance. You, know, the you rumors think they're still they're... trying to move him? Oh, yeah. They're trying, you know, like if somebody would just give them something that they could salvage, you know, a little respect out of this. But – you know, look, <sighs> Trey Lance is a really great kid, okay? Everybody you talk to in that yep. organization will tell you, great kid, hard worker, does everything right. If he had been given a long-term plan to let it work and been able to get on the field and play for two or three years and mature, maybe it would have worked. The problem was that he didn't play a lot of of. of time college ball he didn't play much college ball at all we talk about how many throws anthony richardson had when he was in college trey lance haven't had even less 
So this kid was just not ready to play at this level. 413 throws since 2016 total. Right. Like this kid just hasn't played the position. And there's a certain amount of you got to play the position and throw a certain number of passes to find out what you can and can't do. Like you have to know if this guy, if the tight end is running, you know, a seam route and I got a linebacker on him, I got the safety coming over. How do I have to fit that throw in? You have to practice that throw in live action and know it because those, those situations don't come up a lot. It's not like baseball where you go to the plate, you know, what, 500 times a year and you see a couple of thousand, you know, pitches and that's not even including the practice time and everything. Like you just don't get that many throws in football. And so you got to take, you got to have those throws to realize your talent. He never has, you know, I was talking with one coach this week who just laughed about that story that was put out earlier this off season about him. Oh, he's working hard to change his mechanics. Nobody changes their mechanics in the NFL. Not when you're about to get hurt, hit by a 300-pound man. Like, I, I always go back to Tiger Woods, his first year on the PGA Tour, spent an entire year changing his golf swing. It took him a year to change a golf swing. There's no 300-pound guy, like, breathing down his neck, you know, trying to kill him, all right? You revert to how you've always played when you're in that live situation. Tim Tebow, he could never change his mechanics. I mean, come on, stop, stop it with this kind of stuff. They've, they've you, tried. You always, re, you always revert back to comfort zone. Yeah, unless you have a lot of time. It takes years and years and years to change something like your throwing motion. It just doesn't happen overnight. So to me, that story was another effort by by the 49ers to say, oh, look, he's doing all these things. Somebody please trade for him. They went out and got Sam Darnold for a reason. Sam Darnold is a big, you know, brain-dead heaver who can throw the ball all over the yard, okay? <laughs> he is a pocket passer. Not a very bright guy, kind of a lunkhead, but, you know, he can throw the ball. Trey Lance, like, he's a running quarterback who hasn't had a lot of time to learn the position. A couple last questions for you here. Jace, are we in a position now in the NFL where the difference between – the number one quarterback in the, in the league to the number two quarterback, it's so wide that you look at the distance from the second to the seventh and how close everyone is. There's a wider gap between one and two right now. Look, I think Burrow has all the intangibles. Here's why I say Mahomes. This guy has a $7 million – you know, he's got a $3 million backfield rope. He needs no running back. He beats teams with Juju Smith-Schuster and guys like that. There's lesser talent than he had when he won the first Super Bowl. I mean, he had a better year. I mean, Jace, this guy, his gap is so wide. He's a great player. Joe Burrow's a bad man. Okay, he's I I, I think so, too. And and Aaron Rodgers is still a damn good player. But those guys have talent around him. This guy has Travis Kelsey and nothing else. He's got Andy Reid. That, again, that's a that's a, that's it, a, it is a great a, point. He's not, not a physical talent, but boy, man, the man knows how to draw plays. And he knows how to call them, and he knows how to set it up. 
and he knows how to get a running game going. And that offensive line, pretty damn good. Like, I'm not gonna say don't don't say that he's winning with with nobodies. Don't don't make that mistake. It, did they let Tyreek Hill go and do a, ma- a magnificent job of replacing him? Absolutely, give him a lot of credit. But those guys weren't just schmucks who were around him. Okay, they were good pl- a, a plethora of good players with a great offensive mind. And yes, is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the league? Right, but I don't think it's a chasm between okay. him and 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 I think there's a distance. Okay, that Burrow has to close by actually winning, you know, some of these big games. But Joe Burrow is a bad man. And again, Josh Allen can do a lot of things, and Justin Herbert isn't far behind. And you know, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys that we talk about. It's there's there's a lot of talent at quarterback right now. Final question for you, Jason. Um, so Bill Belichick, if they don't make it to the postseason, this will be the fourth year that they don't get back to the playoffs. And I'm just wondering. Has your opinion of him changed in any way and how you – I mean, like, if you had to win a 60-minute football game, would you take Walsh or would you take Belichick or would you I'd take, take Joe Gibbs or would you – like? Belichick. I'd take Gibbs over Belichick. No, I wouldn't agree with that. Really? So you, your opinion say, hasn't changed the bill? No, it's always about – look, I have a lot of respect for Gibbs – because Gibbs is the only coach in NFL history who made the quarterback a replaceable part. That is absolutely true. Absolutely. He, Three different guys he, won Super Bowls. Right. But he also did it at a time when the talent level at that position wasn't necessarily as high. Um, right. Those guys never went anywhere else and did anything anywhere else. Right. <laughs> and the rest of the league, yeah, Montana was there and some other guys, but not. it wasn't quite as deep as it is right now that's how i that's how i look at it um i just think belichick i still have a really high opinion of belichick but look it's it's like anything coaches are 20 percent of the of the equation the players are 80 percent of the equation and don't ever forget that don't uh don't the greatest coach in the world can't draw plays if he doesn't have players who can execute the plays and can change the X's and O's of the play of the play. So, right? so Jace, do you think he just got too consumed with running the entire organization instead of just being a coach that he is? And that again, now he's personnel. He's last year he's doing offensive coaching, he's doing defensive coaching. I mean, it sounds like you thin yourself. It worked for him. It worked for him for twenty years. Well, he wasn't the offensive coordinator with no, with Brady. No, but but. You know, he, he ran the personnel. He did. And he was in, he was involved in those offensive coaching meetings. Don't he was. don't don't think he that was. he wasn't in those meetings. You he know, was. he he'd sit down with Brady and go over the game plan. And you know, he was he was part of that. Trust me. Like Belichick is one of the best three or four to ever do it. You know, along with guys like Paul Brown and and uh, you know and and again you know the Knowles of the world. You know the Gibbs of the world, the Walshes. He's in that. He's in that. The highest level you possibly can be. And he's going to. You think Andy Reid is in that conversation? No, not quite. He's not quite there. I mean, hmm. he didn't win. He's won two Super Bowls. You know, he's, he's a damn good coach. He's he Shula. Win. Shula is probably. I would take. Who would your would five coaches? Sh- 
Who would your five coaches be? Five. By the way, folks, he's a Hall of Fame voter. Five, five, my, my, five, the five most important coaches, and well, not most important, but five best coaches in the history of the league: Gibbs, Belichick, Walsh. Um, guy gets tough. Gibbs, Belichick, Walsh. Your Mount uh, Rushmore. It's got to be Paul Brown, and then I'll go Lombardi. Lombardi over Noel uh, and Landry and Shula and Reed. Um, so you think Andy's a top 10 guy then? Andy's in top 10. Yeah. It's a, it's, hey, like that, that's a murderer's row. Oh, at, no. Cool. I mean, you got yeah. Gibbs, Belichick, Walsh, Brown, and Lombardi as your five guys. And I didn't, and I didn't even, you know, I didn't mention Hallis, but Hallis coached mostly in a different age and three different stints, right? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, still a great coach. I mean, that's Hallis coached. Hallis coached at a time when, you know, we we're talking thirty-five man, forty-man rosters. You know, not not the same thing. Absolutely. As the game got more complex, complex, Hallis wasn't the you know Hallis wasn't quite the same thing. I didn't even get into John Madden, right? Like highest you know, percentage in the history right. of the league. Yeah, like there are some guys who are out there who are you know phenomenal minds. I would say that. The greatest offensive mind is Walsh, and then you have Gibbs, who you know obviously ripped off a lot of stuff from from Coriel and Gilman. Um, but you put Nolan there. Noel is right on the edge of the top five. He's you know, I and and he were look. Don't mistake. He was a personnel it. guy too. Right. He 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 made final decisions on who they took. Yeah, like he—he's the guy who they had to clear it with when when uh, when Dick Haley and Bill Nunn and those guys, you know, said, "Here's the players." The final choice came down to Noel. Now they could persuade him to do what they wanted him to do if they talked to him certain ways, but it had to be him being persuaded. Okay, you know, I've heard I've heard those about those. Um, I've done a lot of research into the Steelers and the late sixties and seventies. So, you know, Noel was fantastic, but Noel didn't do it in, in uh, free agency necessarily. I mean, the difference is Belichick was great for 20 years in free agency. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Redid it, redid it in free agency. You know, like that's, that's an amazing accomplishment in free agency. Absolutely. Jace have a great weekend. Great conversation as always, man. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, my brother. Anytime, dude. Be good. You got it. Our friend Jason Cole. Hit the like button. Thank you so much. Keep it here. By the way, real quick. Arthur, is that true? Belichick is 78 and 83 without Brady? (whistles) Okay. Hey, that's that's quite a number. That's an interesting number. 78 and 83. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Well, pretty interesting what Jason Cole said there. So he would go Gibbs, Belichick, Walsh, Paul Brown, and Lombardi as his five greatest coaches. He's Hall of Fame voter, so I value his opinion. Who would I put? And he said Andy Reid's in the top nine. Pretty impressive. With the murderer's row, like he said. Who would I put as my three greatest NFL coaches? To make it even harder, my Mount Rushmore, so we'll do four. Who would, who would I say, I want this coach to have a say now would I want my coach to have a say in personnel or what I want him to be like Sirianni with no say would I want a guy to run the whole ship probably so who would that guy be you know Belichick knows quarterbacks you know you could say whatever you want to say about Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi but he did also draft Garoppolo Bursette um, Brady. 
I mean, he 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 has drafted people that has won that have won. Um, who would I put as the greatest NFL coach that I would want to run my team? Would it be Gibbs, Belichick, Noel? Got to think salary cap. Chuck Noll could never keep that Steeler team together, but man, he could draft. I think Chuck Noll's over. I think Chuck Noll's underrated. I think Chuck Noll is underrated. Um, I'm gonna take Walsh. Here's why. Innovator saw the value in Steve Young, traded for him. He was a bust in Tampa. Drafted Montana in the third, still had DeBerg. Look at those players that he drafted. He, it was him and it it was him, John McVay, and Ed DeBartolo that put that dynasty together. So I I would I would probably say Walsh won. I would go Noel two. I would probably go Lombardi three. I would go Belichick four. My Mount Rushmore would be Walsh, Noel, Lombardi, Belichick. Those would be my four guys. My four guys would be would 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 I, I would have Walsh, Noel, Lombardi, Belichick. You got to remember something. What Lombardi did when he took the job in '59, the team previous, if I'm not mistaken, had won one game. And with those players that won one game prior, I think there were 11 Hall of Famers that ended up making it to Canton. And it was because of his coaching. So he took a loser team and turned all those guys into winners, including Starr. So he could motivate. And he, he identified also, in my opinion, talent on the football team. And in his nine years in Green Bay, they did win five world titles. So I would say that. The reason I picked Walsh is because Bill was not only a personnel guy, but he's the guy that found he, – here, you know how you guys talk about North Dakota State all the time? Look at this. Check this. Here's, here's the ultimate. So they went down to – I think it was maybe the Shriners game. Or they used to have like a red, white, and blue all-star game. And I think they used to play it. In the, I think they used to play that thing in the Houston, Houston. It was about the college seniors. And he was watching this guy called Rooster Jones from Pittsburgh. This guy, Rooster Jones, um, was like a big-time receiver and played at Pitt. And everyone said he's going to be the number one player taken. He's or one of the top receivers taken. And he was a big time star. And Bill was watching this one guy from Mississippi Valley State. He goes, who's that? And they go, that's Jerry Rice. He plays at an HBCU school. He's not very fast. He runs a 4'8". 
It was like four seven or four eight. And and Walsh is watching his hands and watching him catch. And he's watching him and he's watching him. So then they get to the combines. He runs a four eight. Jerry Rice. Walsh goes like this. I'm not drafting that Rooster Jones. I want that guy. There's something about that guy. I want that guy. And I'll tell you this. I've never in my life ever seen Jerry Rice caught from behind by anybody. He was out running dudes left and right. Do you ever remember Rice getting caught from behind? I don't. He had that game speed. And Walsh drafted him. I think I think Jerry, his first year, I think his first year he only had like 900 yards. And then after that, the whole thing, he just ran the greatest route runner, the greatest hands, the greatest combination, open field. Remember, they cre- he was the creator of the yak. He was the guy that yards after the catch, once he caught that slant. Remember, remember Rice running across the middle and on that slant pass? You get that slant pass to him, he take it to the house. Nobody could catch him. I mean, the guy was just insane. So Walsh, you know, then he found Montana in the third. You know, could Dan Devine hated Joe Montana? You know, it's funny how Notre Dame and Michigan both loved their guys, but they really hated their guys. Joe was a starter in and out of the Notre Dame team, even though they won the national championship. I think the year they won the national title, they kept him in. But his whole time at Notre Dame was in and out of the starting lineup because they just didn't like his personality because they didn't think he took the game serious. You know, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned Parcells, Barb. Tom Coughlin did just as much as Bill Parcells did. And people look at Parcells and go, he's a great coach. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the win percentage, Tom Coughlin just has had um, – as good a win percentage as Parcells did in, in New York. I mean, when I look at Tom Coughlin in New York and I look at Parcells in New York, the only thing that separates the two is the personality. Bill had a better personality. He, he just had a better personality. So I don't know. I, I, I look at it. You know, I, I, I look at the records and then I look with the accomplishments. Both guys won two Super Bowls. All right. Hey. Have a great Father's Day weekend to those out there. We really appreciate you guys coming aboard. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. What another great week. We're 41 days out to the start of training camp. So we're getting closer and closer and closer. We thank you so much. Xander, Big Joe, thank you so much. We got some great news on the horizon, folks, for the show, what we're going to be doing. We got massive news coming up, and we're going to let you know real soon on what that noise is all about. Tone, you keep up the great work. Thank you so much. James, by the way, thank you so much, man, for doing what you do, putting those things up on our Twitter page. God bless all of you, 3 to 6 on Monday, and we'll see you on the flip side.